Welcome to the Hot Lava Podcast. Kevin Acey, I am in Philadelphia getting ready for the start of this six-game road trip. Three against the Phillies, three against the Reds. Jay Posner, back in San Diego. Uh, he's the sports editor of the Union Tribune. Uh, Jay, the Phillies, uh, they're a game out of the second wild card spot. Uh, the Padres, they're trying to get back in this thing. That's what they insist. Not only are they doing it with a patchwork puzzle, jigsaw puzzle pitching staff, they will for likely at least two weeks be trying to claw their way back into relevancy without Fernando Tatis Jr. How about that? Well, obviously that's terrible news. And it's not terrible news in the sense that because they're not going to get back into the wild card race because they haven't been in the wild card race in 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 weeks. I'm relaying what they say. I know you are. I know you are, and that's your job. And you should be you should be doing that. But they are not in the wild card race at this time, nor will they be in the wild card race the rest of the season. And the worst. So that means the worst thing is we are deprived of seeing Fernando Tatis Jr. play baseball for the next you know ten days to two weeks, whatever. It takes to get him healthy. I do remember when he went out the last time. They said, "Oh, it might only be a couple of weeks," and it wound up being like five. So we'll see what happens with that mm-hmm. right now. But the the problem is we don't see Tatis. I mean, whether they win or lose a couple more games or a couple fewer games, I'm not sure that how really relevant that is at this point. They they can talk all they want no. about being in the race, but they have, what is it now, Kevin, 40 games to play? 40 games to play. I believe it's six games back. I know for certain it is eight teams in front of them. I'm the sorry, it's 40, 40, 42 games maybe? Well, it is 42 because the 120th right. was played so, on Wednesday. Right, so, so they have 42 games. To get to 86 wins, they would have to win 30 of 42. Now, you tell me the chance of that happening. I think at this point, like if they won 22 of 42, somewhere in there. Well, let that, me let me ask you this. Do you think the chances of that are better than the chances of us seeing Ian Kinsler's 2000th career hit? Because boy, Ian Kinsler will be placed on the 10-day injured list later today with a, uh, a disc herniation in his neck. I, I guess the... Will they let him try to come back late in September and give him a couple pinch hit tries to get the 2000th hit? I guess it just depends on how serious this injury is. But I, So I will say the chances of us seeing hit number 2000 for me and Kinsler, and what a moment that will be, by the way, when it happens. The chances of that this. are better than the chances of the Padres being the wild card this season. I think the podcast is the place for me to say this. Um, I think it's a safe space for all of us. And, and, and that is, you know, Ian Kinsler's been a been a punching bag. Ian Kinsler has done some things wrong. Ian Kinsler has not been very good. Um, I'm not going to get into how he's uh, helped players, all that. That's mm-hmm. for you to believe or not believe. 2,000 hits is a big deal. This guy's played in the majors for 14 years. He has the respect of his uh, of his peers. And so I just want to, like, say, like, this dude's been pretty good in the major leagues for a long time. No, I will, I will agree with that. And I, I just meant in the sense of it'll be a moment because whatever he's done in San Diego, whether he had had a good season or a bad season, no one's really going to appreciate right. that achievement here in San Diego. And because of what he's done here uh, on many levels, I, I don't think most people will appreciate right. that. But it is to be respected. That is quite an achievement if he does get to 2,000 hits. And, and you know, who knows what next year holds for him. So it would be nice if he were able to come back in in a couple weeks or or a month or whatever it might be and and try to get another shot 
at I think he that, will. The that, indication yeah. is that he's done at the end of this year. Uh, it would be, I would think, a huge upset if he's back with the Padres next year. Uh, but there is some affection for him, and I, I think that it's the kind of thing that, you know, in September, why not allow the guy to come back and get his 2,000th hit? So now, now well, uh, of course, there's also the other side of it is, is he better off going out on 1999 with the way <laughs> that he got 1999? Like, that was his last appearance. Mm. He didn't play or pinch hit after Monday night when he, the when he pitched inning. and hit the home run. So mm. I wonder, that's that, you know, there's a little bit of that. I'm sure he'd rather Ian's have hit Ian's into 2000. poetry, too. Yeah. Ian's really into to that sort of thing. <laughs> but uh, that's a good point. All right. So. Oh, wow. That was more than I expected to, uh, to spend. I thought we'd spend more time maybe on Ty France. But really, look, Ty France, who might be like the best minor league hitter of all time, uh, is also going to be called up. And technically, I guess he would be the one taking the spot of Fernando Tatis. Travis Jankowski will... Uh, take the place of Ian Kinsler, however you want to look at it. Um, but outfielder Travis Jankowski will also be recalled. Uh, so it's two, uh, two guys joining the Padres today. Um, not exactly sure how they're going to fit in. I would imagine Ty France is going to get some starts. And um, if they really are trying to win, here's what I'll say. Then it's Luis Urias at second base, Manny Machado at shortstop, and Ty France at third. It's a no-brainer. Is it that way though against right-handed pitching, or do they do it? Do they go back? Do they play Garcia at second base against right-handers, uh, yes. and then play Urias Especially. at Urias at short and Machado at third? But then again, I don't know. Yes. I don't know what Machado's um, sort of mental situation is when it comes to would he just prefer to know right now? Look, you're going to play shortstop for the next two weeks. Or is he okay with going back and forth between short and third? I would imagine there's a, there could be, and not because Machado's prickly or anything like that, but I just wonder how difficult is it to go back and forth between those two positions, you know, Every, you have a very good point. You have a very good point, and I think that that'll play into it. I mean, last time, you remember everyone up in arms about Manny Machado not playing shortstop the first night in Atlanta, and we, you know, I'm not entirely sure of the logistics and why it couldn't have been worked out, but that had a lot to do with not being sure yet how Manny, you know, felt about playing shortstop. Um, and, and that's so it's important that you take care of your, your veteran players, especially the one making $30 million. And they didn't have Arias then, so there wasn't a decent right. option to play shortstop. I mean, he was really it uh, at that point. But, you know, I, I would prefer at this point, I mean, if I'm just talking as a, as a fan here, I would prefer to see Machado move over to short and let's see mm-hmm. Ty France. Uh, yes. get some get some at bats at third base and, and and here's why I say it he has started eight of the last ten games at second base Ed Triple A Ty France has he's not looking great is my understanding so okay that's why I say right <laughs> he's just a natural third baseman that's well, all there that's, is to yeah, it yeah that's the thing and and let's we, that might as well take us into one of the things I was going to talk about is the Padres have a couple guys right now who are very hot and a couple guys who are who are very not. Um, and one of the hot guys is Luis Urias, who, who started one for 24 when he came back from El Paso the second time. Uh, and I think we even might have said on here, you know, does there come a point where you have to start to wonder about this guy? It's obviously early. Um, his last 13 games, he's 13 for 38. Um, and, you know, 342 with a 468 on base and a 500 slugging. And he's, he's looked very very good he had a uh, he's had a couple of big hits I think he has nine or ten RBI in that uh in that time frame so again you you don't want to judge him on eight games at one to one for 24 and you don't want to judge him on 13 games either but it just he he definitely looks better now than we've seen him at any time 
in these, I guess, three times since he's been called up over the past couple of years. And the th- he looks better being the key. I mean, whichever, you know, wherever he settles, right? Right. Uh, this guy's awareness of the strike zone is, is wow. And the Padres really value that. They've shown that in a lot of ways. Um, so uh, he just looks, I mean, that wasn't there. That was there last year. That wasn't there when he came up the first time. He was so discombobulated. Right. But, but right. I'll tell you, wow. And and he just he pounces on whatever pitch he's given. He's he, you know look, he's still struggling with the fastball. I, I don't know what his average is is ever going to be. But the awareness of the strike zone and the willingness to be that patient hitter and then to actually work with mistakes that pitchers throw. And I I actually I like watching him bat. So yes, very good point. Now Jay, who is this other player that is hot? That would be. That would be one of the Padres catchers, and it would be Francisco Mejia, who I believe you wrote about the other day. Mm-hmm. Mejia, before the start of August, was hitting 223 with a 638 OPS. In August, he's 17 for 33, which is 515, by the way, for anyone keeping track. His slugging in that time is 758 with a OPS of 1287. Mm-hmm. And, and just so you know, his, his BABIP in that time it's 577. I would call that unsustainable. <laughs> but it's been fun to watch him hit and every time I think he's had I think he's had two or three hits in what is it now like eight straight starts or something like that. Well, he no he missed one. Missed one. Uh, and he actually went hitless when Kevin Kiermaier made that great catch in uh, right center. That's right. That's right. So, but other than that, I think he's had two at least two hits yes. in all of his starts. So again, I mean, is he the guy we saw for 139 at-bats before August? Is he the guy we're seeing for 33 at-bats in August? Is he somewhere in between? But I think I think the Padres are doing the right thing at this point by, you know, letting him go out there and, and play, what, four, at least four times a week. And uh, let's let's see what the, let's see what he's got over these last five weeks. I think it'd be crazy to not do that. And and the fact is, like, <laughs> you know, my first year covering baseball, uh, uh, the catcher for the team that I covered was Mike Piazza. All right. he, he was a pretty good hitter, as I recall. And he was not a good... Now, he was not a good catcher in a day when I don't think we appreciated a lot of the things. I mean, now. I mean, who knows? Jeez, Mike Piazza, they might be having him down in AAA working on his defense now. Right, um, right. <laughs> so, or maybe he needs to, Maybe space. he needs to frame pitches better to take advantage of the horrible umpires. You know, that kind but, of thing. <laughs> but, but if we didn't have Austin Hedges to compare... Francisco Mejia too. Like I do think it's a no-brainer that that uh, Francisco Mejia is the starter right now. I even think in his heart of hearts, so does Austin Hedges. And yet, Hedges took some flack this week for a comment he made he made to you uh, mm-hmm. about how he thought that he should be. I, I forget the exact phrasing that he should be in the lineup. What he brings, even now, honestly, I should be in the lineup. Right. Yeah, something like that. I, I don't know. I mean, I I just didn't take that. I, as that big of a deal. I mean, here's a here's a guy who thinks he should be playing. I mean, I I would hope most guys think they should be playing. Another thing, another thing, and maybe this is why we're the soft media. I consider us to be, or myself in particular, because uh, I can only speak for myself, to be the responsible media. I imagine that that would have been splashed on the back page of the New York Post. Um, I I and it would have been that uh, Hedges pops off or something. Right. Maybe. I wrote it the way I did. He didn't say it angrily. He just said it. The guy has confidence. If you have a problem with a guy wanting to start, then I don't know. (laughs) I don't know what what, what to say. Yes. I mean, uh, do you want a guy saying, oh, you know what? I really suck right now, and I I don't even think I should be playing. You know, maybe they should send me to the minors. I mean, I I don't think Austin Hedges is a minor minor league player, and and I think there are 
probably places where he could be a very valuable starter, and 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 maybe that even includes here, but not right now when Mejia is the backup, right? Uh, or now the starter. You know, right. if they had somebody else as the as the catcher that was down there, wasn't much of a prospect, then yeah, let's, then Hedges should be playing. But I don't have a problem with a guy believing he should be playing. And as you said, and you were the one who talked to him, it he wasn't like angrily popping off and and you know saying that this organization's terrible and how can they how can they not play me and you know all that kind of stuff i think he was just kind of stating an honest opinion he thinks he brings value to the team yeah so there you go believe so. me that took a lot of uh, uh you know a lot a lot of work austin wasn't necessarily in the mood to be talking about his demotion mm-hmm. um, so uh and just to complete my point if we didn't see what a gem that austin hedges was it, like he is not good behind the plate. He just isn't. Is he getting better? Yes, they're not lying. But that's mm-hmm. like that's not answering the question that we're asking. <laughs> um, right. He's getting better. Well, he was a two, and he's a four. Okay. Uh, so, but we wouldn't we wouldn't know exactly. We wouldn't have it in our face how bad he is if uh, if you know Austin Hedges didn't catch you know a couple times a week, and we saw how you know beautifully he does back there. Well, it is what it is, as Darren Balsley said. Right, and, and I think, Padres. you know, and, and like I said, Mejia's getting better, and if he plays, you know, c- continues to play regularly, then, uh, you you know, I'm sure the Padres are hoping that th- that improvement continues. And if, if he was a two and now he's a four, then if he gets to a six and he continues to hit like this, then, you know, that's that's a great thing for the Padres. But If you yeah. have a catcher with an 800 OPS, Jay, you put him back there, right? Yeah. Like, I'm just saying, like, if that's what Mejia is, right? Like... <laughs> I'm, yeah, I mean, if he gets the, if he's a, if he's a six thirty eight OPS guy, which is where he was until August, then I'm not sure how much value he's bringing you. But if he's doubled that, which is what he's done in the last in the last month or a couple of weeks, then yeah, you you want him there. But anyway, I, I mentioned there were a couple of guys who were not hot. One of them mm-hmm. you already mentioned uh, in terms of what position is he going to play, which and that is Manny Machado, who had really I thought. Good numbers, I think, even better than his career numbers. Yes, until the beginning of August, he was he was three forty eight on base, five fifteen slugging, OPS was eight sixty three. Uh, he had twenty six homers, sixty seven runs batted in for four months. You know, he was putting up some pretty good numbers, and now everything's falling apart for him here in August. He's eight for fifty three. He has one extra base hit. He has three RBIs. He's hitting one fifty one. His slugging is 170. His OPS is 394. I mean, that's, you know, that's barely above, that's only a little bit above his career uh, on base percentage, let alone throwing in the slugging. So, you know, with a guy like that, you just figure, okay, it's it's a slump. You, you would hope it wouldn't last much longer than these couple weeks. But, you know, guys go do go into those slumps like that. Is there anything that you've seen or that anybody has talked about over these couple of weeks where he just hasn't quite looked right at the plate? Well, I, I, I haven't gotten an answer other than that he's being pitched differently, and that I, I, I got to look into. It's on my list today. Um, there was a point until the last, until the Tampa Bay series, there was a point where like half of those balls were hit like they were 97 mile an hour exit velocity or more. They were right. hard hit balls. Mm-hmm. That's not that was not the case. As a matter of fact, a couple of his hits, I think, against the Rays were like 60 mile an hour exit velocity. He just, you know, got hits. Uh, so 
I think it's a slump because I haven't heard anything different. I've asked a few different times, a few different ways. Um, I got a, you know, someone finally said, you know, it's being pitched differently. I got to look into that. Um, right. You know, there was a time where people around him in the lineup weren't doing well. So it makes a makes sense that he was being pitched differently, you know, um, and pitched harder than than other guys. Um, so. Uh, uh, right now, slump, Jay. Right now, it's a it's a it's a bad slump, and it is um, right up there with. I think there was a period in 2017, but it's right up there with the worst of his career. Yeah, I mean, we're talking. You know, he had 400 at bats before this started, and now it's 53. So it's it's not like it's the whole season. Still or very anything. close to his career numbers for the most part. For the most part, yeah, I think he might be just a little below now. But up until up until yes. oh below August, but close. August 1st, he was. Um, you know, he was actually above. The other guy, and I, I would say I, I would be a little more concerned if I'm the Padres about this guy is Hunter Renfro. Uh, mm-hmm. On the morning of July 4th, Hunter Renfro woke up with a hitting 252 with a 311 on base and a 612 slugging, so a 923 OPS. 33 games since, sitting 197, 263 on base, 385 slugging for so a 648 OPS also striking out way more often now Mm -hmm. uh once every two and a half at bats as opposed to every three and a half and uh what what do we make of Hunter Renfro over these past six weeks this I know for sure they are they're just pounding sliders on this guy Uh, look Hunter Renfro one of the best things about him is that he realized who he was right and and uh it's not an average hitter right? It's going to be a decent uh, on base. What he has to do is pounce on the pitches he gets. And he hasn't been. You can almost see it when he knows that was my pitch. Here comes this hard slider, you know, <laughs> right, like where, right. he, where he blows it on, on, you know, cause invariably you're going to get a couple of game. And that's where I think more than we realize there are certain hitters that absolutely just make their, their dough on hitting the pitches they can, because they're just not all around hitters. Mm-hmm. Um, Hunter Renfro is a pull hitter <laughs> who, you know, with a lot of power, um, who capitalizes on mistakes and he has not been over, gosh, I mean, early or, or late in the first half, I, I guess, um, or early in the second half. So yeah, he's got to get back to that. That's, that's really all there is. Right. Right. So anyway, we go on now to the Phillies. I don't know if there's Yay. anything, is there, I don't know if there's anything more to talk about i mean the the games this week we we on tuesday night they lost wednesday afternoon they won uh i think eric hosmer deserves an eric hosmer watch he should i should have i should have looked up eric hosmer's numbers but but they've been good all most of the year actually right i mean yes they have but i mean in particular i mean i think it's uh you know he's got like five homers in the last uh 15 games he's on bases around 500 in that span i mean he's 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 being eric hosmer is what he's being i mean not over the span this season and so i just wanted to note that that you know there's been a lot of discussion about this guy and this is what the padres thought they were getting so if anybody else thought that this wasn't good enough you know right on pace for a 24 home runs on pace for 108 rbis uh a guy who does come up with clutch hits a guy who gets on base uh maybe his defense slipped a little bit um but this is what they they figured they were getting for 20 mil a year that's all i wanted to know no that's that's fair i i was i was surprised i was out there on wednesday and uh i i never thought his home run was going out i mean i knew he, he i knew he hit the ball <laughs> hard but it just it yeah. was just one of those balls that just 
kept carrying, and, and uh, it was impressive to see that ball uh, go out of the park. And also impressive, I, I want to know, because we've talked about him before, was Cal Quantrill. That was a tough way to start a game with Eric Sogard forcing him 11 into 11-pitch 11, 11 at bat and ends up with a walk, and then Tommy Pham slams the next pitch off the uh, Western Metal Building, which I, I never saw the exit velocity on that, but I was I was guessing somewhere around like 5,000 miles an hour. That's what I said, <laughs> and it turns out it was only like 111. Well, but anyway, oh, okay. well, uh, yeah, I thought, oh my gosh, is like that Western Metal Building, they, I know they refurbished it, but that's you know, danger. I mean, he crushed it. And then Quantrill so. never gave up another run. Um, and like we've talked about it. I mean, you you talked about it last time about how Andy Green calls him a bulldog, which he did again. Um, and 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 honestly, like the guy is pitching better, but like that's some mental fortitude right there. Mm-hmm. Right, that what he did to turn that around. The the Rays play awful baseball, in my opinion. <laughs> their pitchers take forever. Their hitters just grind you to a pulp. Right. Um, oh, the number of it, foul balls! It, it was. Yes. I mean, it was, it was a lot like watching the. You know what they remind me of? They remind yes. me of the Dodgers, and of Five course, years, yep. of course, Andrew Friedman. You know, was in both places, but that's the kind of players that they have, where they were just foul ball after foul ball after foul ball. They put the ball in play, unlike the Padres on Tuesday night, who struck out eighteen times. They, they like you said, they grind it, and yeah, their pitchers <laughs> just take for. Well, they use so many. They play the matchup game, and so then a reliever is going to come in, and he's going to be slower. You know, that's, you know, you're going to have guys on base, but oh my gosh. To me, Jay, if you're not going to enforce a guy who takes 40 seconds in between pitches, then don't even have the quote unquote rule. I was just going to say, I actually got the stopwatch out on Tuesday night for one of those guys. I can't remember. Was it Castillo, maybe? Um, Probably. I can't remember. And, (laughs) And he took 40 seconds between pitches uh, more than one time. And it was just excruciating to watch. But you know, look, they win. You know, they win game. Yep. I'm not denigrating the Rays in any way. Oh, no, absolutely but it, not. it can right. be it can be difficult to watch when they're when the pitchers t- when every pitcher is like Brad Hand and then some. <laughs> the the Padres did get the one uh, the one win. Now they go to Philadelphia, which has been sort of an up and down team. But I mean, they were 37 and 27, including winning two out of three at Petco. Uh, Eric Lauer beat Aaron Nola, I think, in the first game. Paddock got hit around in the second game. And then Quantrill actually pitched well in the third game, and Wingenter and Stammen got blown up uh, in that day game, I think, and the, uh, and the mm-hmm. Phillies won. But since then, after that stretch, the Phillies lost 11-13. of 13, 20, Then they were basically a 500 team ever since then. And again, they, it's one of those things, they just swept the Cubs, uh, including the amazing walk-off slam last night by Bryce Harper, the ball that seemed to take about 15 seconds to come down after he uh, after he hit it. I'm sure you probably heard the cheering in your hotel room, Kevin, from that one. But they had just lost 7 out of 10 against the White Sox, the Diamondbacks, and the Giants. So I, I can't read much into anything other than they seem to be a team that is right around 500. They have their good weeks. They have their bad weeks. Who knows what the Padres will see from them. This weekend, other than Velasquez tonight, uh, Eflin tomorrow, and then a reunion with Jason Vargas on uh, on Sunday afternoon. Jason Vargas, who 
who, what, it was uh, one hit over six shutout innings, uh, his second-to-last start for the Mets. It was against the Padres. Mm-hmm. He actually hasn't been terrible. I mean, the Padres would take a guy who goes six innings, which he's done two out of the three times and allowed two runs. Uh, he's That's what he's done, the two of his three starts for the Phillies. Right. So, uh, and Velasquez and Eflin, uh, those can be really good pitchers. They're guys who have been spent time in the in the Phillies' bullpen this year. You know, yeah, I'm going to get too deep into that analysis because no, I mean, who knows? <laughs> both of them, both of them have ERAs well over four, but right. pitch, pitching in that ballpark, um, their adjusted ERAs, both of them are just a little bit above above league average. So no, they're both those those guys are fine. Um, what are we seeing for the Padres this weekend? Paddock tonight. Well, Paddock, and they're on order, so I really should know this real quick. It should be Paddock, Lamette, and is that Lauer? Yes, does that sound right? right? Goes on. It's. I guess I'm so thrown off by the fact that they're actually going in rotation here. Um, yeah, so, that's true. Uh, that doesn't usually uh, happen. But yeah, <laughs> I'm Lamette, not having to do uh, trigonometry. Lamet on Saturday, Lucchese on Sunday. Yeah. Lucchese. That's uh-huh. right. It goes uh, DLJL. See, that's how I do my abbreviations do in my. As I, honestly, check out my notebook. Like it has <laughs> all these. Uh, as I try to figure out their rotation, uh, and so I really whiffed on this one since it is the same it has been now starting a. Third time through the turn, uh, the you know through the rotation, uh, which has not happened th- this year. Uh, pretty pretty amazing. Here's here's one for you, when, and we'll talk more about this on Monday. But when you get to Cincinnati on Monday, it will be Lauer against Bauer. Whoa, Lauer Bauer power. A Lauer Bauer oh, power Lauer. show or something like it's that. It's the Lauer Bauer hour is what it is, Jeff. Right, right. We killed it before we even got there. <laughs> Uh, all right. Well, I'm uh, I'm I'm pretty ready for a little uh, paddock day against Vince Velasquez. Uh, get to see a little Bryce Harper, Manny Machado, uh, and of course Travis Jankowski coming back. That puts a smile on my face. That's right. And and I did look this up, so I want to get it in. Machado's actually has his despite the slump recently, and despite Harper's big slam last night. Uh, Machado, based obviously more on defense probably than offense, does have a higher WAR this year. Than Bryce Harper for, and I know what a bargain. Two point eight WAR, two point three for Harper. Neither one has been probably as strong as fans of their teams would have hoped, but uh, still five or six weeks to go to put up some more numbers, and we'll see what happens. And we will wish you and all those listening a good weekend, and we'll talk to everyone on Monday. Thank you.